What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm here with Joey Volpe. Joe, what's up, dude? We're getting close. Getting very close. Getting super close. Oh, Joe is upset. Joe is upset because his boy. Nope, nope, not Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's fine. His second in order boy, Travis Etienne. Yep. Likely out for the season with a Liz Frank injury, a midfoot sprain, and it's relatively serious because he's going to get foot surgery to hopefully correct it. And hopefully he'll be back and, you know, do his thing and live up to his potential and all the hype and, you know, all the well-deserved hype. Right. Um, but it, it, it sucks, dude. I, I know like we just like went right into it, but I see your yeah. face. I know we got to get into it. Um, so let's just let's just talk about it, dude. Um, first of all, I know you drafted him in a lot of places and you had mm-hmm. a lot of confidence in him and his role this season. And you were fine with him as your RB2 in a lot of spots um, because of his role. What are you thinking? Uh, you know, obviously you want him to, to, to be fine. But, uh, you know, in terms of dynasty, you know, if you have him and you drafted him early, what are you doing with him? Are you hoping that he'll be fine? Um, you know, these list Frank injuries can be a little bit tricky. Um, but are you making any moves in Dynasty, whether whether you're trying to acquire him or whether you have him already? What are you doing? So I don't think you're going to be happy with uh, <laughs> my analysis of the situation, but there's still a chance that you can draft Travis Etienne in 2021. He He's going to miss minimum 12 weeks. Um, that puts him, I mean, from now, what is it, like two, three weeks before the season starts, puts him at missing about, Eight not eight to ten weeks during the season. Uh, it could be more based on where they are at, but if he does fall to the point where he's being undrafted, I mean, you can take this guy with your last pick, throw him in your IR spot, and just kind of see what happens. If you need that spot later in the year, you can clear it. If you need to add someone else, but there's still flexibility for you to add him. Um, he could end up playing the last seven games during this stretch final stretch. I don't know what kind of role he's going to have at that point coming off an injury. I've talked to multiple doctors um, through Instagram, which is like fantasy docs and sports media analysis, uh, medical sports analysis. And uh, some of the doctors at where I work and um, a, a lot of them do say, like you said, list Frank injuries, especially this type that he needs surgery for is not great. But the good news is that when you're done and you're rehabbed, then it's not something to worry about long-term. It doesn't seem like something that can uh, come back to haunt him once he's actually healed. If he comes back before he's healed, then just like any under, any other injury, obviously there's concern, but considering he's a first-round pick and they, you know he hasn't even really touched the field yet, uh, I think the Jaguars are going to be cautious. So if you can get him with your last pick and stash him in your IR spot, cool, do that. If not, don't worry about it. Um, and, and dynasty-wise, this is this is a blessing in disguise because this is your second chance to sell James Robinson high, because I do believe after this year ETN is going to see a bigger role. So um, yeah, this is a blessing in disguise if you're a James Robinson owner. This gives you the chance to sell him ridiculously high as this running back one, and uh, ETN. You know, if someone's not in on them, then maybe you can buy him low. I think he's going to be he's going to be completely fine for the following years. So. Right. And I think, um, you know, the fact that, you know, this doesn't seem like too much of a, a, a risk long term, this might be an opportunity to, to also buy Travis Etienne yep. from a team who, you know, 
might need some other pieces, right? Like if you are a team, you know, who, nece- who isn't necessarily competing this year, you know, you might want to throw some bones at the owner who does have Travis Etienne and maybe take him off your hands. And that owner can, yep. can use whatever uh, win now type of players to, to win a championship. Right. Um, so that's good to know. Now, how many IR spots do you need in your league to stash Travis Etienne? If you had one IR spot and that IR spot included, you know, guys who, you know, might be on the COVID list this year, that sort of thing, you know, are you, are you okay reserving that IR spot for Travis Etienne all season long? Um, like I said, it doesn't have to be all season long. Like if, you, if you're going to the start of the year and you have, like you can spend that 16th round pick, assuming that's the last round of your draft, on a guy like Travis Etienne and then throw him in the IR spot. And then guess what? You need that spot, drop him, right? But best case scenario, you don't use that spot and then he comes back and then you have him on your team. So it's just kind of like a zero risk, you know, there is a reward if you do end up keeping him on your team and he does return, but there, there's no, you're not tied into holding him on your bench for that long. So if you need the spot, drop him. If you can afford to, like I saw a couch, what he did in one of our leagues is he drafted Jeff Wilson with his very last pick, just kind of threw him in the IR spot and then picked up another player off waivers. It's like, it's a good move, right? Cause it, it really can't hurt. So. Yeah, it can't hurt. Um, like for me, I, I look at what the upside is, right? Sure. Someone like Jeff Wilson, you know, the only t- the only way he can have any upside is if all these other running backs are hurt in the 49ers. It wouldn't be the first time that it happened. Um, but that's, you know, it's like, it's, what is the point, right? And then a similar thing with ETN. I, I don't look at the Jaguars as a team who's going to be competing at the end of the year uh, yeah. for, for a playoff spot or anything like that. I, I don't see any reason why uh, Urban Meyer would even bring him on and play him in that slash role um yeah. you know in, in a type of role where what we were expecting coming into this year um and you know h- how much practice time is he going to get how much um what is his conditioning going to look like is he going to be able to put up the type of numbers that we're expecting um if we're keeping him that long on our roster now if you don't if you never needed that ir spot to begin with and yeah like obviously there's no risk there um because yeah. you never know um, but it's just it's just an unfortunate situation um, when it comes to Travis Etienne. Um, I, I'm approaching him, you know, as a little bit of a lost season, um, especially yeah. because he's a rookie and the ro- role is so unknown. And you know, even before this, like I, I I can't tell if Urban Meyer was was holding his role to his chest, you know, in the preseason, you know, in terms of like when he's putting him out there and and all of that. Um, it wasn't so encouraging, at least, you know, when you look at that part of it, you know, before the injury. Uh, and the hope is that, you know, Urban Meyer was just holding, you know, his place to his chest and not showing that, yeah. which is which is which is a very likely scenario. Right. Um, now, l- what about James Robinson? Now, if you're in a redraft league um, for me, like the earliest that I would I would consider Robinson, I think, is the third round. I think the third round is, is a yeah. good spot. Um, any earlier than that, um, you know, there's just so many, you know, uh, running backs and wide receivers that I'd rather have, yes. you know, I'd rather, you know, draft someone like Darren Waller at the two, three turn, you know, guys like that. Right. Um, but in terms of like the guys who were there, right. You're going to look at Chris Carson, right. At the two, three turn, you're going to look at, um, who else? DeAndre Swift, right? Those are two guys I'd rather have over James mm-hmm. Robinson. Me too. Um, 
you too. Okay, good. Uh, am, am I missing any key guys there? So, like, where, terms of running back? where I have James Robinson in my rankings right now is I have him after Clyde Edwards. I have him after DeAndre Swift, after Chris Carson. And what I about Miles him, Sanders and David Montgomery? That's, I have that's, him that's before Miles Sanders, before J.K. Dobbins, and before David Montgomery. Okay, I can see that. And and is it because you expect him uh, to be more involved in the passing game than those other guys? Yeah, because I feel like they kind of had this role building for ETN where he was going to be a big part of that passing game. And um, Robinson's been getting most of the first, uh, you know, most of the reps of the first team. I think this is going to be different than his 2020 season in terms of Carlos Hyde is going to be a lot more involved than people want to, you know, and then people think he's getting a good amount of first team reps. Um, so I, I do think Carlos Hyde is going to be a little bit of a thorn in his side, but Robinson is going to lead this backfield and um, he, he could be in for a large workload, which would make him, I'd say like a mid to high running back too. I think his upside would probably be a low end running back one similar to last year. But um, I, I wouldn't imagine him doing that again. So I have him as my running back 17 right now. Yeah, I mean, that's that's about right. A mid RB2, right? Um, yeah. Actually, that's a little bit higher than a mid RB2. Now, I, I, I'm in a similar boat there. Um, I, I do like the fact that between him and Carlos Hyde, you know, he's probably the better. Um, he's probably the guy more suited on passing downs and yeah. that sort of thing. And, you know, probably is the better uh, athlete at this point in their, in their careers in terms of, you know, catching the ball and being able to turn up field and all that sort of thing. So, you know, he's going to be thrown into that role once again. Uh, remember last year, James Robinson was on the field for like 90% of, of snaps, right? Yeah. And that contributed in a huge way to his production, his finishes, all of that is his, his overall volume. And I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think his volume is going to go down a little bit, but I can still see like 70% of snaps or so going James Robinson's way. And that's going to probably end up being like, you know, top seven in terms of, uh, in terms of sna- opportunity share and snap share, you know, and, and those t- sort of metrics. Um, but I, I would agree. I think mid RB2 is about right. Um, I would have him above those guys as well. I think uh, between those two, David, uh, between those guys you mentioned, Miles Sanders, da- uh, David Montgomery, and J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins is last on that list for me. Uh, but I do think that David Montgomery definitely has higher upside than James Robinson. So if you're looking for the higher upside guy, I think, I think Montgomery is that guy. Um, if you look at in terms of like who will be more involved in the passing game, um, I, I, I think if Montgomery doesn't get the third down role, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that, that that's a death sentence in terms of not getting receptions. Uh, yeah. But I do think that, you know, James Robinson getting that edge on third down might be, you know, might give him like, you know, five or 10 more receptions than David Montgomery. So it's close. Um, we know that Miles Sanders probably won't have a huge role on, on passing in passing situations. That's what it seems like for now. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I have him in, in, in that tier. If you're in the middle of the third round or something like that, I, I would, I wouldn't have any hesitation to draft him, uh, you know, as my second running back, even as my third running back, I'm okay with it because I know that I can get receivers fourth, fifth, sixth round, seventh round and, and, and going on, you know, from there. And we'll talk about a few guys, a few wide receivers that you might be able to get in the eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th round in, in this podcast, as we go through the games. Um, and, and by the way, like we didn't even talk about what we're doing today. We're going to go over uh, all of the second preseason, uh, all the games uh, from preseason week two. So just uh, Jaguars plays Travis Etienne injured reserve. 
uh, officially ending his season with no early return. So he's not designated to return. Okay. That's a great, that's a great call out right there. Glad you were paying attention to that. Um, okay. So, so there you go. Travis Etienne will not be playing this year. Do not draft him. James Robinson is going to be that guy all year long. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go for it. Well, I was, I was just going to say another thing popped up here. Uh, next Tuesday is the earliest that they can put players on short-term IR uh, after they move to the 53-man roster. So because they put him on today and they didn't wait a week, his season is officially, officially over. There's nothing they can do to bring him back. Which, you know, it, it, it kind of makes sense, right? Like why, why, why bring risk him back? It, you know. Right. Like why, you know, j- just to satisfy, you know, Joe's fantasy craving for Travis Etienne, like there's n- that's not enough of a reason to bring this man back um, after surgery. So, yep. yeah, you know, I, I, I like the move, you know, just bring him back fully healthy next year. And uh, you know what? I might be in on him with you, you know what? next season when Urban Meyer is gone. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> One thing I am worried about, though since they kind of had this role for him as a pass catcher, do the Jaguars, because Urban Meyer, I don't think I've liked anything he's done so far. I think you're in a similar boat. Maybe yes. they bring in a Le'Veon Bell. Maybe they bring in Adrian Peterson. Maybe they bring in a Duke Johnson. I think Le'Veon Bell or Duke Johnson are high probabilities if they don't feel comfortable with their depth. Um, I, I just think it's also something to consider that can hurt it, James Robinson. It is, value. you know, it, it really is because they did spend a first round pick on a running back. Yep. Right now, we know that we know that he was also aiming for a, a certain wide receiver that we shall not name. Uh, you know, in Kadarius Tony in that first round, um, you know, to potentially play that slash role. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming that I think his first round pick was just to get whoever's going to play that slash role. Would you agree? Yeah, hundred percent. I think so. So like maybe a pass catching running back. You know, like. Le'Veon Bell or something like that, but it might not really satisfy that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, by adding some depth uh, can happen, I think. Um, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, but yeah, we're going to continue to go through this, uh, a few more news, uh, a few more pieces of news before we get into the, the preseason games and what kind of fantasy takeaways we can get from, from, from preseason week two. Um, uh, what do you think about LaVisca Chenault? Do you think that uh, his role can increase a little bit, you know, maybe uh, some more snaps out of the backfield, um, some more targets, you know, short to intermediate? I mean, listen, you know, with LaVisca on the field and, you know, with uh, with ETN on the field, they were both going to be running, you know, short to intermediate routes, right? So mm-hmm. without ETN on the field now, it's possible that, you know, more looks go towards Chenault in that role. Yeah. I mean, um, my screen's frozen here, but um, I, 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 I do think you. it's nice. <laughs> I, I do think it's very possible that Chanel sees a little more of an increased role. My only concern is that like, I, I think his value is going to be blown out of proportion now. I think right. if we're talking I, I about can the totally, slash I can role, totally see that happening. I think everybody's going to say, Oh, he's the new slash role. He's going to play that. Percy Harvin role that ETN was supposed to play. Well, if they wanted him in that role, they wouldn't have used their resources to get ETN in the first round. Sure. And, and so, that might be the problem, right? Like, uh, but, but let's assume, okay, me and you don't believe that, right? Because I also believe that LaVisca Chenault is too slow to even play that role, right? Yeah. Um, he's not that type of player. He's a great player, but in other ways, 
right? So let's assume that, um, you know, I, I agree with you that his price might get, might be inflated now. And now that the fact that, you know, he had a decent game and he showed some rapport with Trevor uh, th- this past weekend or, or last night, actually, um, you know, do you think that, let's say LaVisca Chenault's price is, where's he at right now? He's at the six, seven turnish, something like that. LaVisca, I think he's yeah. seven, eight, eight, nine. Seven, eight. Okay. So, so That's let's nice. say his price stays in that, in that range. Would you be in on him in, in a full PPR league? I would. I would. And, and I think you made a great post um, either today or uh, yesterday um, talking about Marvin Jones, who we'll probably talk about later. Well, but yeah. um, I think there's a real chance, as you kind of mentioned, that Marvin Jones becomes that guy for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And if that's the case and we're playing the ADP game, you let Marvin Jones in the 12th round and LaVisca in the eighth. Not that I hate LaVisca in the eighth, but. Um, you know, yeah. I, there, there can be multiple guys in this wide receiver group, but uh, I, yeah, I, I agree. But I, I do think that um, LaVisca's value does increase a bit, yeah, um, with with the injury to to ETN in terms of you know, from a fantasy perspective, yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to a couple, couple other guys, a couple more injuries actually. Da, uh, Darrell Henderson, um, he has a, a, a sprained thumb, but apparently it's not serious and he should be ready for week one. Um, I am warming up to Dal Henderson a little bit. Uh, and, you know, if you can get him in the fifth round or so, it's been happening, you know, in certain sharp leagues, you can, you know, he's been being, he's being drafted earlier than that. Uh, but if you can get him in the fifth round, I personally like him, you know, more than, uh, you know, Mike Davis. Uh, I like him more than Miles Gaskin. Um, so I'm drafting him ahead of those two guys um, in the fifth round because of the upside that he is their three down guy. Um, and we've talked about this multiple times about, sure. you know, them, them potentially signing a veteran, um, you know, <laughs> potentially ruining the, that, that thought and that the, the prospects of Dale Henderson becoming, um, you know, a, a huge fantasy asset this year. Um, but I feel like the, the risk is a little bit baked into that ADP. Um, and I believe that, you know, if you give him a three down role on the Rams, you know, and then you compare, you know, Mike Davis, you know, him to Mike Davis, you compare him to, uh, Miles Gaskin in a potential committee. I think that, you know, his ups, that the upside that he could have if they don't add someone of significance uh, is huge, uh, especially, you know, given the price tag. So, you know, if I can ha- get him as my, my RB3 um, and, it, you know, if I'm in the in a situation where like, I don't necessarily love the wide receivers where I'm at, I feel like I can potentially get one of the wide receivers I love the next round. Like I- I'm fine taking Dallas Henderson in, in that spot. I wouldn't hate – who do you like better, Daryl Henderson or Chase Edmonds? So Chase Edmonds, I do. I do like Chase Edmonds more. I think he, his role is more secure, I think. Sure. Um, but I, the thing is with Chase is I can get him around later, yeah. right? Um, so you can get both of them. But I do – if you ask me who has more upside, if their roles stay the same as it is right now, I think Daryl Henderson has more upside. So my thing with Daryl Henderson is like <laughs> – he's injured again dude like his thumb and he had an undisclosed injury I believe he was also doing another injury and the season hasn't even started i don't even think he's touched the field in preseason yet either so it's like there's a lot of concerns about injuries with him well well, they've been well i just want to clarify they've been holding him out of preseason uh not because of injuries uh he's been practicing right he's been full go in practice he's been full go in training camp uh it's just it was just a matter of 
uh, them he's Trump the guy, say, yeah. saying that like saying that like hey we somebody just said it straight up. He's like he's not going going to be playing in preseason. <laughs> so like that, that's that's the reason why they didn't have him in. and and they had Jake Funk and they had Xavier Jones kind of yeah. uh, duke it out for the RB two spot for now. And I think um, as we see more teams cut down the rosters, we could see more free agent running backs become available who might be more so McVay's style. So if he's not a fan of Le'Veon Bell, Adrian Peterson, Duke Johnson, Todd Gurley, then he could definitely go with, you know, any of the other guys to get cut as the weeks go on. And as we get this dramatic, dramatic, dramatic cut down to the 53. Dramatic? That sounds nice. It does. It sounds like it should be a word, honestly. Because it's like like dramatic and fantastic. Yeah, dramatic. Dramatic. I just made that up. Shit. Um, But regardless... Daryl Henderson, if he was going in that fifth, sixth round, I'd be okay with it. But if you're doing actual, like if you're seeing these mock drafts, people just kind of say, okay, Cam Akers not there. Daryl Henderson's the starter. Okay, he's going to be three-down workhorse. Absolutely worth an early fourth, third round. I see him consistently yeah. going in mock drafts, going in the late third, early fourth. His ADP may not be at that point, but he is still trending upwards. Yeah. Um I've, in every draft I've, I've seen, he's being taken I've been doing, way too early. You know yeah, what I've been doing right some, now is on Fantasy Calculator? What is it? 312. Okay, yeah. See, I've I've done some drafts, and he has slipped in some of the drafts. Some drafts, people take him earlier. Some people In some drafts, he's been going later. Um, and I've been doing a ton of community drafts, you know, with, with people at the upper hand fantasy community. And sure. um, it's it's been all over the place, honestly. Matter of fact, last night, this is not Daryl Henderson related, but Jesus Christ, these guys are so sharp. Like in my league last night, like they had me on my toes. Like these guys are good, dude. Like these guys are really good. They were sniping all my guys, but you know, it, it is what it is, but that's, that's besides the point. Um, okay. So yeah, no, I, I think, I, I, I think the, the, the message here is, you know, don't um, over, don't like buy Daryl Henderson if he he's being, you know, uh, if he's if he's too pricey, but you know, mm-hmm. if he if you can get him in the fifth round, I think that's that's really good value, um, and like the risk ends up being baked into his ADP at that point, into his price. Clyde Edwards Hilaire had that ankle injury. You know, there was a scare of it potentially being a high ankle, but he is back at practice. It's not a high ankle injury. Um, he's back at walkthroughs. He's he wasn't out for any practices, so he's good. He's back. I would be drafting him as as I would before the injury. Yeah. Um, DeAndre Swift, there is some concern from Dan Campbell that um, he won't be properly conditioned to play a big role in week one. Um, it seems like he's past the groin injury at this point, uh, but it's really about whether, you know, he can handle that full workload in week one. Um, Dan Campbell basically said like, hey, like, I'm not sure if he'll be available for week one. Um, and if he is, I'm not sure how much we'll put him in there. So yeah. the takeaway from here is for me, it's that Jamal Williams is in play for week one. Um, we were already drafting him anyway because he might have had a role to begin with, even with DeAndre Swift. He's going to be a three-down handcuff to DeAndre Swift as well. Um, he's played like every snap uh, in DeAndre Swift's absence with the first team uh, in preseason. Um, but uh, for me, like I'm taking advantage of any DeAndre Swift price drop. Like yep. I've, you know, I've, you know, seen him drop a little bit to like the middle of the third round you know, end of third round sometimes even in PPR leagues. And I'm just like, for me, that's too too much of a value to pass up. Like even after I draft two running backs, I'm perfectly fine drafting DeAndre Swift as a third running back, throw him in my flex, 
I'm happy at that point. And then you really don't have to worry about running back for the next like several rounds, right? Yeah. Because you've got three solid running backs at that point, most likely. And then you could really, you know, take your shots at all the wide receivers that you like after that. Absolutely. Okay. Um, just a little bit on the Dolphins. Will Fuller, Devontae Parker, both back in practice. Uh, Fuller, just remember, he's out for week one. He's just, and, you know, he's, he's fulfilling that suspension that he had at the end of last year. He had one week left. So he's feeling, fulfilling that in week one. He'll be back in week two. Um, someone who still has upside, you know, Tua is looking good. And, you know, Jalen Waddle is obviously somebody that, you know, a lot of people are targeting, including myself. Uh, but Will Fuller is, you know, easily in the discussion um, to be a big part of that offense as well. And he, he has some upside. Adam Troutman avoided a serious injury. He went down um, in this game. He got carted off. Um, didn't look good, but he avoided a serious injury. No word yet on exactly, you know, if he if there is some sort of timetable for him to be out. Uh, but it seems like it's not, you know, too bad. Um, but we'll get into his role and how he looked before he got hurt when we talk about that Saints game. Uh, okay, let's get into the games, guys. Uh, let's see what kind of take fantasy takeaways we could potentially um, use uh, going forward, you know, with a, with whatever uh, fantasy football drafts we have left. Um, let's start with the Jets because it's my favorite team. Um, actually, no, that's not my favorite team. I'm just a Jets fan. Um, Jets <laughs> and Packers, they've been practicing all week together and they finally had their game. Um, I want to start with Corey Davis, man. Uh, Corey Davis he's going to be flying off draft boards way earlier than you, you you're going to think. Yep. And if you haven't been paying attention, you're going to be like, why? And I'll tell you why he has ran 13 routes so far in two games. And he's been targeted on those 13 routes, 10 times. So that's an extremely high percentage. You know, Zach Wilson is just keying in on Corey Davis and um, he's depending on him a ton. And Corey Davis is coming through. Corey Davis is looking good. Um, so he looks like he's a natural fit on this offense. He's the number one target as of right now. Obviously, Elijah Moore isn't back. By the way, if you're drafting this week uh, before that Jets game where Elijah Moore is looking like he's going to make his debut, I would get as much Elijah share Elijah Moore shares as possible at mm -hmm. his price before he breaks the fuck out uh, in that game and he pulls a Marquez Calloway and then you're like, shit, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get that much of Elijah Moore. And if you're wondering, like, I think both of these guys can coexist, man. Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. This is not a situation where you're like, all right, well, why, why did I draft Corey Davis if I don't know what Elijah Moore looks like or the other way around? I think both guys are, are good values and both guys should be drafted. Yeah, and there's there's no running backs that scream, um, you know, the fact that they deserve targets. There's no tight ends. I'm going to rip Chris Herndon, but there's no tight ends here that kind of scream the fact that they need targets. Hello, so this could Tyler, be Tyler Croft. Two Hello. touchdowns, yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, no, but, but, but seriously, this is – Zach Wilson can support more than one guy. And I think there's a world where Corey Davis, maybe Corey Davis and Elijah Moore become the next uh, Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall. Oh, I like it. I like it. Dude, uh, Zach Wilson looked good too. Um, yeah, you know, on, on, on throwing on the move, working through his reads, um, he's good. He's looking good on the low, you know, and he's actually been one of my two quarterback um, targets. Like he's my, he's been my a target of mine when I ended up like kind of punting the quarterback position, sure. um, you know. And, and I did a couple of drafts. Actually, I did one draft with you, and then I did another uh, another uh, superflex um, 
draft not too long ago where uh, actually this past weekend where Jalen Hurts was my first quarterback and Zach Wilson was my second quarterback. And that happened a couple of times already. And like just seeing him do his thing, like it kind of gave me a little bit more confidence in those picks, you know, in the beginning of the off season, it was more like, well, he's going to be the starter all year. So it is what it is. But now mm-hmm. it's looking like that might be um, a decent quarterback to uh, pick right there. Especially with their defense. Not only is it bad, but it's getting worse. Uh, who was it? That's just Carl, Carl Lawson, Carl Lawson, who, was going to be one of their best pass rushers is now out was, for the, the best. Yeah, pass listen, like <laughs> he was, he was absolutely tearing it up in training camp. Apparently, like Makai Becton, obviously standout rookie year last year, right? Was look was was you know on his way to becoming one of the best left tackles in the league. And Carl Lawson, apparently, every single practice was just tearing him up. You know, and yep. it's, it's just super unfortunate um, that they're going to be, out, uh, you know, he's not going to be on the team. But at the same time, you know, when it comes to for fantasy, like <laughs> this just means that the Jets are going to be good, good, like losing Carl Lawson basically means that they're going to have at least five more pass attempts per game. <laughs> that's, that's what it looks like to me. Yep. Um, now, if you look at this backfield, Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson played ahead of Michael Carter. Michael Carter didn't come in until the second half of this game. Uh, Tevin Coleman, you know, uh, they rested him in the first preseason game. In the second preseason game, he played and he started for the Jets. And Ty Johnson, you know, had like, I think, one or two more snaps than him. Uh, but they were both playing like interchangeable roles. Like there was no clear third down guy, no clear passing down guy. It was very similar to what. Kyle Shanahan deployed last season where you never knew who was going to be their third down guy. I think McKinnon was their main third down guy for the most part, but a lot of these guys played interchangeable roles and Tevin Coleman is somebody that they like um, coming obviously from that system um, because of his pass protection and those type of things. And he might get the edge on this backfield because of that. Now, Michael Carter, you know, this is a huge buzzkill for his fantasy value because you know, this dude was being taken sixth, seventh round. And now, you know, it has a lot of people scratching their heads and, and wondering if, if that, that pick is still worth it. If he's still worth being, if it's still worth taking him at that spot for me, it's, it's not. And, and the reason for that is I, I love Michael Carter. If, you, if you've been listening to me this whole summer, like in this offseason, I love him. You know, he's one of my, he was one of my, one of my favorite running backs to come out of this class, but uh, I'm a realist as well. And, and, and number one, he's a fourth round pick. Okay. Fourth round picks don't historically have uh, a great track record when it comes to like huge fantasy success. Number two, um, he's a small back, right? The upside of him getting goal line carries isn't huge. Number three, um, he's being, fa- he's not being favored in passing situations as of right now. So th- those, that's the trifecta for me. It's, it's just yeah. like, what is the upside even if he gets 15 touches a game, that seems like a long shot as of right now. But will he get the goal line touches? Will he get the pass and down work? Those type of, those. That's what the question is for me. And and last last week playing behind Ty Johnson, you know, wasn't amazing. And now this week playing behind both guys, it, you know, it's it's really unfortunate for his fantasy you know prospects at least for the start of the season. He's he's the kind of guy where I'm okay taking him as my running back four. Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't take him any higher than that. You know, if, if I'm drafting and, um, you know, I'm like, okay, he's going to be my third guy. I'm like, no, I'd rather have Damian Harris. I'd probably rather take a chance on Rojo or Zach Moss at this point than uh, kind of put myself in that situation with Michael Carter. Because of the upside of those guys that you just mentioned. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like Rojo has obvious upside if one of his run, one of the running backs, especially Leonard Fournette, you know, goes away. Um, you know, his snap share is going to increase tremendously, and then he could be a potential league winner. Zach yep. Moss on an amazing offense. If he becomes that guy, you have a league winner, right? It's those type of things. Is Michael Carter a league winner? I don't know, because he might not get the roles that you want from a league winning running back. Absolutely. Okay. All right, moving on. Um, anything else from that, that Green Bay Jets game before I move on to the Patriots game? Um, there really wasn't too much of a takeaway from the Green Bay side. Uh, didn't really play too much of the starters. and yeah. not, not really too much to take away there. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I am interested to see Elijah Moore play next week. Yes, so, yes, we'll see. for sure, for sure. Uh, okay, Patriots and Eagles. Uh, Jacoby Myers, so he, he's he's the guy to target on, on the Patriots. Um, I know, Joe, you you called it like way back in the offseason. You said, you know, no one's looking at Jacoby Myers. You know, he's free in drafts. Why isn't anybody paying attention to him? And you were absolutely right because Jacoby Myers, you know, if you look at all the other Patriots wide receivers, right? Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers played 100% of the snaps with the starters uh, this week. You know, obviously, um, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? You're the first round draft pick. Um, Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry. He's, he's out. He has that shoulder injury. Uh, but, you know, in that first preseason game, he disappointed big time. You know, like he he was having a good camp, but he just can't put it together on the field, man. Um, and so I think Jacoby Myers, you know, uh, Matt Harmon, you know, he 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 laid out the reception perception for Jacoby Myers, and he laid, he pointed out that he's actually a very good receiver. Like he 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 has separation skills, and that's part of the reason why he's he was producing last season, and why I think he's going to be producing this season. The difference between him and Nelson Aguilar is the fact that Nelson Aguilar in this preseason game, they showed their cards a little bit and he was running all deep routes, which makes sense. That's what he was doing for the Raiders too. He's a deep threat. Sure. That's what he, that's who he is. Um, and we've seen uh, the Patriots deploy that wide receiver too in a very similar fashion before, right? They had Brandon Cooks doing something similar, right? They had, um, who was the, who was, who was their last uh, deep threat that they just, that they had, um, I forgot his name. Uh, with the Jaguars now. Yes. Philip Dorsett. Philip Dorsett. There you go. I love it. Love it. I love it. Um, yeah, Philip Dorsett, um, he had that role as well. And then Nelson Aguilar coming in, uh, you know, obviously playing that, probably going to play that role a lot better um, than Dorsett. But um, the fact that, that, the fact that um, Jacoby Myers is going to be running routes all over the field in short, intermediate, deep, he's the guy to target. Right, he's the guy who's going to be running yep. a, a more diverse route tree. The true um, wide receiver one, the X. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I, he's the guy that I'm 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 looking at late in drafts, and he should be on everyone's list in terms of late round wide receivers. Yep, yep. And and I think these running backs too. Ramondre Stevenson, he now has four touchdowns in two games. Um, look, a, a lot of this is still being done against like second, third, fourth team for Stevenson. So I'm not. Oh, I don't, I don't want to overreact to this and say that Damian Harris, like there's a lot of people out there. I see, I saw, you know how many times I've seen this week, Ramondre Stevenson, the next James Robinson, Ramondre Stevenson, uh, huge value in drafts, Ramondre Stevenson. Like I, people are taking this way out of proportion, especially when there's a guy right next to him, JJ Taylor, who's like three inches shorter than him and having just as good as a game, if not better. J.J. Uh, Taylor, this game, 12 carries, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Ramondre Stevenson, 15 carries, four and a half yards. Uh, you know, 15 carries, six, six yards in the ground, two touchdowns. So 
J.J. Taylor is also making a name for himself, and I think both these guys are going to kind of be at the bottom of the Patriots' depth chart. Not that they can't get any work, but I think Damian Harris is still clearing away the best running back on this team. Um, what's really interesting to me, and I saw this on Twitter, it made me think about it, is the fact that Cam Newton is now going to be out for a little bit because of some COVID mishap and not getting tested properly and he's unvaccinated, whatever. If Mac Jones, when he does start this year, if he does, I, I, I think James White is going to be a huge value in drafts because as of right now, I mean, James White, you can get him in the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th round, and he's kind of just this afterthought. But looking at like these Patriots wide receivers and how much work guys like J.J. Taylor are getting as pass catchers with uh, Mac Jones on the field, uh, it, it's really encouraging. It's really encouraging. So I think James White kind of stepping into that role being that third down guy and he just got sent to an extension, there might be some value with him to be had. So if you're in PPR and you're looking for a late round depth wide receiver, uh, James White is someone who I've been uh, beginning to target more and more. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, now in terms of Damian Harris, this was the second straight week that they've used, uh, you know, some form of committee, um, you know, with the first team, Damian Harris with the snap counts, Damian Harris had 47% of the snaps, James White had almost 30% of the snaps and Sonny Michelle had 24% of the snaps, um, you know, which isn't great. I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Sonny Michelle. Will he get traded? Will he get cut? Yep. Will he stay with the team? Uh, apparently he had a really good camp. It's very possible that he does stay with the team somehow. Um, but it, you know, it, it, you know, it's possible that a guy like JJ Taylor, you know, gets waived or, you know, gets sent to the practice squad. If nobody else picks him up, um, you know, those type of things are possible. But um, right now, Damian Harris is the clear guy, but at the same time, you know, it looks like this is going to be uh, somewhat of a committee and a three-man committee is in the cards. It is possible. Um, yeah, and I, I, I still do think Sonny Michelle is going to be cut. <laughs> I think he's going to be a cap casualty. Uh, I think they'd rather hold on to Taylor and Stevenson because Taylor can play that pass catching role and Stevenson, as you know, they just drafted. So there's no reason to release him. So I, I do think Sonny Michelle's, and they have Brandon Bolden, who they love to use on special teams. So it right. seems like Sonny Michelle is kind of the odd man out here. And one thing you'll notice is um, in the game, the Patriots did try using him as a pass catcher. He had four targets. He brought them all down for, I think, like 40 yards or something like that. So I think they're kind of see, trying to see like what kind of use they can get out of him, how he plays as a pass catcher, how he plays on pass protection, to see what kind of value he can offer them during the season. Because if not, he's going to end up being cap casualty. So also something to look out for in this third preseason game, how they're using him as a pass catcher. If, if Sony Michelle were to get cut, traded, do you think that they insert a third running back into the rotation? <laughs> um, it's possible. I, I think I, I think right now Sony Michelle is in there because they want to see what they have. And they want to see if he can apply that to the actual game. Um it, it's very possible, you know, with the Patriots being the Patriots that we do see Stevenson come on for like goal line or maybe Taylor being in there for an extra couple snaps or Brandon Bolden even having his chance. So I, there definitely is risk with a guy like Damian Harris. He's not a home run. He's a sixth, seventh round pick for a reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there still could be a committee. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the Chiefs and Cardinals. Uh, now, James Conner was back in this game. But Chase Evans still looked like the 1A so far. Obviously, you know, Connor, it's not like Connor was hurt. 
right? That is not, that's not why he missed the first preseason game is because he was on a, you know, a COVID list, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think he got COVID. He was just on some COVID list because of close contact or whatever it was. Um, but Chase Edmonds was in for all three downs for the first two drives. And then Connor came in for the next drive after that. And he came off the field and Edmonds came in for third down. So that's a good sign for Edmonds right now, because if he's getting early down snaps, that was supposed to be Connor's job, right? Um, or I didn't think so, but a lot of people thought that he was just replacing Kenyon Drake, right? Um, and that doesn't seem to be the case so far. So as of right now, it's a good sign for, for Edmonds. Like if you're drafting him, you know, it, you know, at the end of the fifth round, early sixth round, I, I think that's a good move, um, especially in PPR leagues. Um, as far as... The okay, and also like you look at these this wide receiver core, right? You have Rondell Moore, right, who is playing like 100% of snaps with the starters right now. Um, now, AJ Green played, Christian Kirk played, but DeAndre Hopkins did not, right? Um, one thing to note is that you know obviously people are drafting Rondell Moore ahead of Christian Kirk. That's happening. Christian Kirk is going undrafted right now in leagues. Um, it's possible that Kirk is still the guy in the slot you know, when all three of these guys are, are on the field. I'm talking about A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, and Christian Kirk. So I'm really curious as to how this offense looks when all their guys are active. And we talked about this last week, right? Um, now, one one note is that Rondell Moore did stay on the field in this past preseason game after Christian Kirk left with the starters. So I'm just curious, like, how do you see it playing out? Because if Rondell Moore is one of the starters, he ha- definitely has upside. And he's free. He's also free in drafts, like, you know, he's not going undrafted, but he's he's almost right there. So it sounds like the Cardinals are pretty set on A.J. Green um, being a starter with the team and being the outside guy. I mean, they've been holding yeah. him out, and uh, he's been doing apparently pretty good in camp. So it's really going to boil down to who that third wide receiver is. And I think they drafted Rondo more for a reason. Not that Christian Kirk hasn't been impressive at all. But uh, I, I don't know. I think Moore's kind of got the upside of like, well, we don't know what he can do. So why not take a shot on him? Because uh, the ceiling might be through the roof as opposed to a guy like Kirk. Like we've seen over the last couple of years, he's had good games here and there. But if A.J. Green really is that starting wide receiver outside, you know, next to DeAndre Hopkins, what kind of value can Kirk offer knowing what we know about him and his role over the last couple of years? So Rondell Moore, he kind of has the um, – the uh, attractiveness of the unknown just kind of being like, okay, maybe he could do better than Kirk. Right. So I, I, I think <laughs> I, he's definitely I, worth taking a shot. You know what? I'm, I'm not sure how to word it, but I think you know what I'm trying to get. No, at. no, I, I do know what you're saying. And, and Christian Kirk, you know, he kind of has the unknown, a little bit of an unknown factor too, in terms of the fact that he'll get that slot role. Right. Sure. And that's his, that's his natural position, right? That's, that's what he played in college. And I feel like he can become like a Tyler Boyd type player with more upside in terms of big playability. Um, if he starts in the slot, right. Because he was starting on the outside, you know, with this team for the past two years. And I just don't think that that's where he naturally fits, right. Yeah. If they move him into the slot, which I think they're going to do, and that's what their plan has been all off season. You know, when you read the tea leaves and read what the beat reporters have been saying, um, this could be a totally different type of season for Christian Kirk. I've actually been drafting Christian Kirk here and there with my last pick, because I'm really curious to see like what happens um, in that week one game where I think Christian Kirk could potentially be uh, like a hot waiver wire ad, you know? Okay. 
Let's move on to the Bengals and the Washington football team. Um, so after week two of preseason now, there's still no sign like of a bell cow role for Antonio Gibson. Uh, but I'll say this. The price is still fine because I think he can still see 17-plus touches a game. You know, I think the 20-touch upside is there as well. Um, now, the complete upside of him being an every-down back, you know, might not be what we want just yet. Um, you still have J.D. McKissick right there. Um, you st- now, and then they they, they pulled out um, – who, who was the third running back who was playing in week one? Um, and Jared was- Patterson, boy. Well, Jared Patterson was definitely in this oh. – in, in the rotation this week. Um, but they pulled out – they had another, like, Peyton jag. Barber. Peyton Barber. There you go. Peyton Barber didn't play with the first team this week. Um but Jared Patterson did. So it, it was still some sort of like three-man rotation here, <laughs> which sucks, right? Like you're like, dude, just just leave Antonio Gibson on the field. Like he's fine. When yeah. Gibson needed a breather, Patterson came in, right? And you were, you were like, all right, well, why isn't McKissick in then, you know? Um, but I think they were just trying to save these guys for the regular season. Um, but Antonio Gibson, you know, his price is fine in the middle of that second round. You know, I'm still taking guys like Joe Mixon over him. I'm still taking Najee Harris over him. And then Gibson kind of falls in after that. Um, obviously Aaron Jones, but Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones range is so big. Like I'm fine drafting him at like the RB five spot or like the, the number, like overall five. And yeah. he, I seen him being drafted like early second round as well. So like, it's all over the place, but, um, Antonio Gibson in, in the middle of the second round is fine. Just know that like, that like Christian McCaffrey type role isn't just, isn't there just yet. And, and it's not there. It, it wasn't there in the second week of preseason. Yeah. Yeah, now, the and, good thing is that yep. he was targeted on a high percentage of his routes, though, right? So that's Gibson? a good thing. Like, yeah, he was still running routes on early downs, right, in, in over the past two weeks of preseason. And he's actually had one of the highest target rates uh, per, on a per-route basis when it comes to running backs this, uh, this preseason. So that's a good thing. He's still going to get targets, just might not be like 75 catches. <laughs> I, I think it's amazing how Jared Patterson – um, <laughs> 19 touches this week. He had uh, just shy of 15 touches in that first week. Seems like they really like this kid. He's an undrafted free agent. He's the infamous, uh, is he 5'6 or 5'9 type dude? I, I was just thinking that, and I'm about to look him up right now because NFL must have measured his ass when he, when he joined the NFL, right? It must have happened. Jared Patterson, officially 5'8. 5'8. 5'8. He's not 5'8. That's what it says. No way. That's what it says. If he's actually 5'8", he should have been drafted. I think he's 5'6". <laughs> so I guess it's still a mystery. <laughs> okay, oh, no, that's dude. fine. That's fine. Fuck it. It's okay. All right, that's, that's, that's hilarious. All right, so we still don't know what Jared, Jared Patterson's height is. He might be 5'6". The thing is, like, if he's 5'8", like, that, that matches the profile of, uh, you know, of a potential, like, you know, 15-touchback. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> all right do you have anything else to say about patterson or should we move on to the bills and bears move on i'm confused all right <laughs> all right so uh interesting note mischievous revenge game and he tore <laughs> their first defense up <laughs> he really did i mean he went against their first team defense and he tore them up which is great good for him good for him i'm sure that this is the highlight of his career um so Interesting note on Darnell Mooney. Um, he hardly played this preseason, by the way, which is a great sign for him. But when he did, I think he only played like five snaps in two games. Okay, so obviously super short sample size. But 
four, I love that, but, but um, four of his five snaps were from the slot. So, which makes a lot of sense, right? Anthony Miller, right? They traded Anthony Miller to the Texans. And it's possible that, you know, ton of snaps, a ton of Darnell Mooney's uh, routes will come from the slot. Um, that would be great for a few reasons, right? Number one, he's going to play on the outside regardless. When they move to 11 personnel, he can probably move, in, move inside, right? Um, he's going to play, uh, he doesn't have to play against press coverage in the slot. He's going to get better coverage there. Um, yeah, so like this, this seems like a pretty good deal for Darnell Mooney. So if you were targeting Mooney, um, this is a great sign. He was actually pretty successful for the limited from the limited slot snaps he had last year. And, you know, this is just an added bonus to someone who already had a ton of upside going into this season, especially with the potential with two new quarterbacks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, there's his ADP right now. Um, I mean, it, it's still at a value to where it's fair. I think he's definitely getting more hype right now, but he's still going past the 10th round. He's currently at the 10, 11 turn. Uh, yeah, it's 100% worth taking a shot, especially in PPR if he is going to be starting in that slot role and take over the Anthony Miller role. I mean, Anthony Miller had a ton of targets last year, and this is still the same offense. I'm trying to pull it up here. Anthony Miller had 76 targets last year, which is no joke. Um, Darna Mooney had 98, so it's hard to imagine him not going up from that point. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Justin Fields, by the way, making plays with his arms, making his arms his arm uh making plays with his legs his left arm as well uh, so right. good. it's one arm and two legs um and dude like that like his the, the the stuff that he's doing with his legs and the fact that he's showing it all like that's a thing of beauty when it comes to fantasy dude that's exactly what we want to see um and it seems like he is completely willing to run to run the ball and if he once he becomes a starter dude he's like a locked in top 10 guy yep hundred percent. And, and I think the key thing here is that Andy Dalton, he's guaranteed the first snap of the year and nothing else. <laughs> well, and you know it, what? He, it kind of sounds like did. a situation where Matt Nagy's like, okay, we're going to sign you one of the starter and you're going to get to start the first game. He's like, okay, well that's condition of me being here. I get to start the first game. And he's like, okay, now Matt Nagy kind of feels like, Oh, I wish I could back out of this contract, but like, he's going to be our starter week one. Don't worry guys. I, I think of kind of like a Baker Tyrod situation where it's like the second game of the year and literally a halftime, they made the switch, even though they said right. Baker was going to sit for like the whole year or whatever. So yeah. uh, you, we're going to see Justin Fields very early. I remember that game. It was against the Jets and he tore us up. I remember that. <laughs> yes. uh, on Thursday night football. I'll never forget that. Okay. Um, yeah. And you know, like the interesting thing there too, is like um, he, you know, Matt Nagy did name uh, Andy Dalton, his week one starter. And in that same breath, he said that Justin Fields is going to start this weekend, uh, you know, in preseason week three, and he's going to get the whole half. So it, it's, it's a very possible scenario that Justin Fields tears it up again right in this game for a whole half yep. after the fact that Nagy made the decision to start Dalton, which might put even more pressure on Nagy to take him out very soon. It, yep. You never know. Right. And they're going up against the Rams week one. So it's no joke. Right. So it's going to be an interesting situation. I'm getting my popcorn ready for that one. Um, all right. Moving on to the Falcons and, and Dolphins. Um, Mike Davis not playing. Um, that's a positive for his role, right? As the clear starter, um, yep. you know, if you look at, so um, 
who, who's the guy that who's running behind him? Oh, Kwaje Allison, right? Kwaje Allison is running behind uh, Mike Davis. He is the clear number two guy right now. Um, and then you look at Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin, you know, obviously a lot more promising than his, the week week one of preseason, where he was running behind Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown is now the third guy on in the pecking order, which makes a lot of sense because he sucks. And you know, Miles Gaskin moved up moved up uh, in the pecking order, but uh, Salvin Ahmed was way too uh, integrated into the offense for comfort. If you're a Miles Gaskin guy, Miles Gaskin had 51% of the snaps with the first team. Ahmed had 35% and Malcolm Brown Brown was still involved at 14%. So, you know, this kind of echoes the sentiment, uh, you know, of of Brian Flores, the head coach saying that they're going to use a three man rotation. And that's what they did in the second preseason game. Um, so I can totally see a situation where this continues. The hope is that at least this turns into a two-man backfield, right? If it's Gaskin and Ahmed, I can totally understand that, right? Um, but if you expect Gaskin to get the 70% of snaps that he was getting last season, you might be a little bit disappointed. Yeah, and I, I think uh, Savan Ahmed is someone who I've been talking about for a little bit now. He very much impresses undrafted free agent um Miles Gaskin still getting a ton of targets uh I I think that early down work is really what's going to hurt him and kind of lower his upside but he's still owning that pass catching role um Ahmed didn't really do too much of that and although Brown is capable he's probably going to use be used more towards the goal line in terms of the Falcons some important news as far as that running back depth goes so a lot of people were drafting JV and Hawkins just because they liked something about him. Uh, he just got released. So the only undrafted free agent running back there is Caleb Huntley, who actually had a pretty decent game. He's a bigger back. So if you're trying to aim for one of these running backs, then your drafts for upside, it's, it's going to be Huntley at this point. Yeah. And honestly, Allison is the guy that you should be after because Allison sure. is somebody who can get a goal line role and have the pass catching role because he's good in the passing game as well. He, yeah. he profiles more as a three down capable back in terms of being, you know, capable in all, all phases of the game. Um, As opposed to undrafted free agent. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, But yeah, I, I, you know, I've been actually drafting Ahmed, Salvin Ahmed. I know we're going back and forth between these two backfields, but I've been drafting uh, Salvin Ahmed here and there uh, with my last pick, Um, you know, just because you never know, right? Like Ahmed, Ahmed looked good. You know, he, uh, in, in this past game, he was involved in the passing game as well. And I, I, I think that there's a possibility where Ahmed might get, you know, if, if this turns into a hot hand approach, you can easily see Ahmed, uh, you know, be, you know, have a, 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 you know, games or two. And this is, this is still, in my opinion, an ambiguous backfield. Yep. So in ambiguous backfields, sometimes you've got to take late round shots on guys. Luckily for me, I'm in 4 million, real leagues this year so i had the uh, you know i i take guys for fun like random spots like you know I'll, I'll take guys that i don't even like in a early because i just want a share of that guy right that's kind of how i view it so salvin ahmed is somebody that i'm just kind of taking shots on because I, I think you know in any ambiguous backfield take your shots um okay let's move on to the ravens and panthers um robbie anderson just got that deal right shows that uh, he got he got a legit extension, two year extension to his 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 contract, and it was some good money right there. Um, it, it shows that you know he's a big part of their plans moving forward, despite the fact that they just drafted Terrace Marshall, right? Um, now let me ask you this, man: like 
obviously Terrace Marshall looks good. He's he's been doing his thing in camp. Do you think there's room for him this year with Marshall? You know, obviously for him, like with D, with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey back. Do you think there's room enough room for him to potentially be a top thirty six wide receiver? So I, I I've been going over my projections for twenty twenty one, and it's, I actually just did my uh, redid my Carolina Panthers. Uh, projections the other day. I had Sam Darnold throwing for just shy of 200 passing attempts with Chris McCaffrey back. I thought 600 passing attempts, sorry. Um, I mean, there, there, <laughs> I was like, I was like, wait, what? Do you have him getting injured? You have, you have projected him getting injured or something? Like, what? <laughs> if you look at the way the targets in this offense are distributed, um, there is room for a third wider receiver to have value, even with Chris McCaffrey back. Because ultimately, you have the main running back getting, you know, like Chris McCaffrey, have him down for 145 targets. Between the other guys in that backfield, this is assuming Chris McCaffrey plays 17 games, it's not going to be, you know, more than like 10, 15 targets if they even reach that point. The tight ends last year had bottom of the barrel in terms of a target share, so there's not much there. And then if you look at, and I think this is actually like hilarious, if you look at what the Panthers did um, in terms of their target share outside of their top three wide receivers. I mean, ready, Robbie Anderson, 137 targets, DJ Moore, 119, 118 targets, Curtis Samuel, 97 targets. And then we have Farrell Cooper with eight, Seth Williams with six, Brandon Lystra with four and Keith Kirkwood with two. I mean, all other wide receivers combined for less than 20 targets. And that kind of just goes to show that there's a huge focus on these three main wide receivers and on that main running back. And then nobody else really even needs to get involved. So when it's an offense, that's that conservative with where these targets are going, there is a room where DJ Moore, Terrence Marshall and Robbie Anderson all get over a hundred targets with Chris McCaffrey also getting over a hundred targets. Um, I, I like that a lot. That's a really good um, that's really good analysis because that's what you want for fantasy. You want tight distribution, right? Like yeah. you don't want this, you don't want it to be all over the place. You don't want it to be scattered. So if we know that a coach like Joe Brady can you know you know be pretty um, you know can, can distribute those targets in, in a tight fashion, that's what you want. And if you look at what they did at LSU, they did something very similar right? Where the targets were tightly distributed, right? Between Justin Jefferson, right? Between Jamar Chase and, and Terrace Marshall, right? Like it was tightly distributed between th- those three guys. Plus they all said Clyde Edwards Hilaire in that, in that backfield as well. And he got his targets as well. So running a very similar offense, right? If you ask me. Yeah. And the tight ends, not much involved. I have DJ Moore getting just shy of 120 targets, Robbie Anderson around 114 and Terrace Marshall around 108 targets. This is assuming Marshall starts on the slot because I saw him kind of being used in that way. And I think um, to make Donald more comfortable, they'll kind of move Robbie Anderson back to the outside more where, um, you know, that's where they had most of their connections in New York. So it's going to be interesting to see where these guys line up and considering Curtis Samuel, is now out, and then Terrace Marshall kind of jump into that slot role. Uh, that might mean a little higher uh, volume of targets in terms of just uh, the target concentration going to the slot. So yeah. that that's going to be interesting. I think all these three guys can get over 100 targets, and it's just going to boil down to touchdowns, and it's going to boil down to 
on what they do with those targets. I think his yard per reception for Marshall is going to be a lot lower, but ultimately he'll, he'll get the work. So he's worth yeah. taking a shot on. And he might be the end zone guy too, right? Like he might be the guy they target in the end zone with the contested catchability. Um, so, you know, he's somebody that should definitely be on our list of, you know, late round wide receiver options for sure. And if you're in a home league, you should be able to get him for a very cheap price. Um, Chupa Hubbard, you know, again, handling all of the running back work on the first two drives before he left the game. Uh, he should be viewed as a high value handcuff. I, I, I don't think that they're going to be in a situation where if Christian McCaffrey's out, that Chuba Hubbard isn't going to be on the field for all three downs, which is amazing, <laughs> honestly. So like he's, he's in a good situation. Um, and, you know, if you're drafting those like late round uh, handcuff running backs, just to, to have on your roster in case one of these, you know, starting, you know, really good starters go down. Like he's, he should be like on that list with those guys. Um, JK Dobbins and going over to the Ravens, JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards sharing that role, just like they did last year. JK Dobbins didn't look good in this game, but you know, obviously we know that he's a stud, but again, they, they just confirmed how they're going to use this backfield. And JK Dobbins is, it doesn't seem like he's going to get enough volume, especially in PPR leagues to really, you know, pay, pay off on that third round ADP right now. Yeah. And, and I think what's really alarming here is like, Oh, he's going to see more work in the passing game. So that's going to benefit him. I mean, best case scenario, JK Dobbins sees 30 to 40 targets, and that's not nearly enough to kind of add extra value. Um, th- this is my projection because I'm doing this all in alphabetical order. Tell me if this projection for JK Dobbins sounds fair. And if it does, I'm going to tell you exactly what his points per game would be. So um, 201 carries, which in this backfield with Lamar, with Gus Edwards, I think that's very fair. 201 uh, carries for the entire season? Yeah. Jesus. Oh, my goodness. That's so bad. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and then, <laughs> No, I'm, I'm not saying your projection is bad. I'm, I'm just saying if that were to happen, yeah. that would be super bad for J.K. Dobbins. But yeah, go ahead. And then I have him at 1,100 yards, um, okay. 11 touchdowns on the ground, 27 catches for 173 yards, and I even gave him a receiving touchdown just for fun. So sure. that's over 1,100 1, yards, 11 touchdowns, 12 total touchdowns, 27 catches, 173 yards. That puts him at 13 and a half points per game. Yeah, not good. Like that is not a high-end running back too. No, it's not. And it's only 11.8 carries a game, which is, if you're not involved in the passing game, 11.8 carries a game is nothing. Yeah, the and- fact that you gave him 1,000 yards is great. The fact that he had that many touchdowns is great. But – I think I think I think the way that you did that math makes a lot of sense, and people have to really put it, put it into perspective. Like, even though he's a touchdown magnet, he can be. Who knows? Uh, it, it's not it's not promising. It's, it really isn't. Yep. All right. Okay. Moving on to the Lions and Steelers. Um, now, if you were targeting uh, Amon Ross St. Brown late in drafts because you thought he'd get a high target share because of the. Um, you know, because of the unknown at the wide receiver position, I, I think again, he, he's playing behind Quintess Cephas. He's playing behind Rashad Perriman. He's playing behind Tyrell Williams, who didn't play this week. Um, I personally wouldn't bother. There's no upside there for Amon Ross St. Brown for me. So, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that people don't like, you know, think that uh, he's going to like rise to the top for whatever reason. Just because he's the first receiver that the Lions drafted. 
in the draft and he's still a day three guy like a day three guy is not going to come in and demand the targets in this backfield even if he's got scrubs with him it's going to be tj hawkinson it's going to be the running backs and we're going to see some tyra williams Prashad perry yeah. sprinkled in so exactly it, don't even bother exactly okay um texans and cowboys now <laughs> mark ingram came back in this game and, and him, him and philip Lindsay split time on early downs and David Johnson continued to only come in on passing down. So if you're drafting David Johnson, stop. Um, this looks like a mess. And, and what, while Lindsay is, is the best runner on this team, right? I think it's very possible that this remains a timeshare throughout. And, and I'm not bothering with Lindsay late in drafts either, because, you know, especially on an offense, that's going to be like hot trash this season, like without Deshaun Watson, like who knows, who knows if Deshaun Watson is going to play. If he does this, comp- everything completely changes, obviously. Like, I'll draft Lopinzi, <laughs> right? But, um, I, you know, like, as of right now, it's a full avoid for me. Yeah, and I, I was the kind of the guy that saw David Johnson as a value for quite some time. And in reality, if I'm still picking between David Johnson or Philip Lindsay or Mark Ingram, I'm still going to be targeting David Johnson out of that bunch in PPR just because – who do you want on this team? Do you want the pass catcher or do you want the early down guy on a team like Houston? That's going to be behind every single game. He's not going to yeah. have targets to be worth it on a week to week basis. Um, but I think the playing time is going to be there in terms of being this passing situation. I think the whole second half of the game, he, David Johnson is probably going to be on the field for at least 70% of the uh, 70% of the snaps in terms of how much you're actually going to have to catch up. And that alone in garbage time could spell value for him. Um, and especially if he continues to drop as far as he has been, because he went from the seventh, eighth round guy to now he's past the 10th round again. So if David Johnson ends up being this 12th, you know, 11, 12th round pick, and you're playing in a PPR league, I'm taking a shot just because, Hey, he could, if I'm tight on depth and if I'm playing in a PPR, he could rack up five, six catches and kind of get me through the week. I mean, the upside isn't exactly as high as it once was, but Still, I'm okay with it from a depth perspective. His upside not being high as it once was is the understatement of this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move to the other side of the ball. Uh, the Cowboys, uh, CeeDee Lamb, he's moving to a full-time role in 2021. And, and, you know, it might seem like he was in a full-time role last year, and he almost was, but his snap percentage was around, like, you know, 65 70% last year. Jeez. He hardly played. He hardly played in two wide receiver sets last year. And, and while the Cowboys mostly play in 11 personnel with three wide receivers, the increase in snaps can only help them, right? Obviously. Um, all three Cowboys wide receivers were playing in this preseason game. And when they did go three wide receiver, CeeDee Lamb was back in the slot. And obviously on the outside in 12 personnel with two wide receivers, with Gallup now being the odd man out compared to Lamb being the odd man out last year. So CeeDee Lamb, like wheels up for CeeDee Lamb. I know you ranked him ahead of Mari Cooper now, Joe. Um, so, you know, it, it's, he's going to have a ridiculous season. As long as Dak, cross your fingers, as long as Dak stays healthy, this is going to be a ridiculous season for CD lamb. And are you, let me ask you a question. Are you ranking CD lamb ahead of Justin Jefferson? Or is JJ higher? Mm, JJ is higher. Okay. Um, by two spots. I have gotcha. JJ at 11 and Terry at like 12 and CD right there at 13. Got it. Got it. Okay. Okay, cool. All right, let's move on to the Colts and Vikings. Uh, just wanted to t- say that I'm out on Paris Campbell, um, and there might be a shock for everybody. I wish I had sound effects, 
right? Like on this podcast, because there, there has to be something that if I'm talking about, I'm out of Paris Campbell, that means a lot, right? Because I've been talking about that dude for like years now. Um, it looks like he might be playing behind Zach Pascal at this point. Um, yeah. and, and Pascal uh, was even in the slot ahead of him in this past game uh, with the first team. And that's not what I'm looking for. Um, the only Colts wide receiver that I'm going to be interested in at all is Michael Pittman at this point. And if you asked me several months ago, I would have said Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman, and I would have gave Campbell the edge because of the role that I thought he was going to play. But at this mm. point, it doesn't seem super promising uh, with Campbell because Zach Pascal, uh, you know, he's probably been doing his thing in camp and winning the coaches over. Um, but yeah, it looks like Carson Wentz, you know, might be ready for week one and, you know, maybe latest week two, week three, but um, it shouldn't affect how you view these pass catchers for, from, for, you know, for a season long basis. Um, but Michael Pittman is, is somebody that obviously with all the hype on a lot of these, these other wide receivers, like in the late rounds, I think Michael Pittman is, you know, slightly overlooked. Um, but, you know, he, he is somebody that, you know, you know, I've seen drop in a few drafts um, and, you know, I, I take advantage because he, he has the potential to break out in the second year. And, and Carson Wentz is trending towards playing week one right now, uh, as well as Clinton yeah. Nelson. So in that perspective, I mean, someone has to be like, someone ha- has to come out of this fantasy relevant, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, and another thing too, if Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson are going to be ready for week one, what are we doing about Jonathan Taylor? <laughs> because Jonathan Taylor in some drafts falls to the beginning of the second round. And I've and he was a top seven pick prior to the Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson news. So for me, I think he could end up being a value right now. Uh, yeah. I know you were never too keen on taking him that early in drafts. You kind of have different opinions on him. But well, I, listen, I, at, the, at the one two turn now, like he, I've seen him at the one two turn, and like I'm p- perfectly fine taking him there. Yeah, I think he's going to be a value at that point. I, I really do. I, I I do as well, and and that's how I would love to get some Jonathan. I would love 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 some Jonathan Taylor shares this year, and I just don't want to pay like a crazy price for him. But I would love some shares because I know how much of a baller he is, and I know that he has, even though he might not be like have a 60 reception season, you know, I, I still think that, you know, he he's, he's on like Derrick Henry type of level in terms of like rushing ability and, and, and that sort of thing. So I, I would love yeah. to like have him on a few teams this year. Um, I will say this about their receivers, like, you know, just pay attention to who's in the slot, you know, as of right now it's Pascal, but you know, Carson Wentz loves to target the slot. Frank Reich, you know, loves to target the slot. When these two were together in Philly, they love to target the slot. So just just pay attention to, you know, who that guy is to start week one. And, you know, it is possible that Pascal is very relevant because of the fact that he he's starting in that role. If Paris Campbell ends up, you know, getting that role back, then pay attention to him. So I, I just want to kind of yeah. point that out. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to say that no wide receiver besides Pittman can be uh, valuable at some point, but just, just keep an eye out for that. Um, now, on the Vikings. See, see, this is, I love changing my opinion on, on people, right? Like this is the, I, I want people to understand that like, that's what you got to do, right? Like yeah. for me, I take in new data, I take in new information and, you know, I analyze it and I want to figure out what the best course of action is moving forward. And Irv Smith is somebody that I was not high on coming into this year because of his usage last year. And because of what Mike Zimmer was saying, but Mike Zimmer might have been talking a little shit here because Irv Smith in the second preseason game, he ran a high percentage of routes on Kirk Cousins dropbacks this past week, and which is a great sign for him, right? Last year, he wasn't running enough routes 
when uh, when uh, what's his name? Uh, Kyle Rudolph wasn't on the field. And that was my concern. When Rudolph was off the field, why aren't you running that many routes? So the fact that he's been running a high percentage of routes and, you know, has a high route participation, like I talked about last week with Logan Thomas, um, I'm, I'm high and Cole Komet, I'm higher on him now in terms of Irv Smith than I've been all offseason because of that usage. So uh, if you're taking Irv Smith as like somebody, you know, uh, later in drafts uh, as a value, as a value tight end, I, I might be, I might be okay with that. I, I think that, that that might not be a bad, bad strategy at this point. Do you, who do you like better, Irv Smith or Mike Gusecki? Irv Smith. Okay. My only issue with Gusecki, you know, is the, is the fact that it's going to be a crowded wide receiver room, right? I think that there's, there's more upside there. I, I just not, I'm just not, I'm just not sold on the fact that he's going to be used uh, as much in terms of like slot usage and that sort of thing. Like he was used uh, in their offense last year with a different offensive coordinator. Um, I just haven't seen that yet. Um, and I haven't seen him, you know, really have the type of usage that I wanted to see in the preseason either. Um, and I know that Devontae Parker didn't play yet. Will Fuller didn't play yet. Those guys are going to be on the field and there's going to be other guys, you know, fighting for targets there too. What about you? I still like Gazeki, and I was actually going to make a post about him today um, talking about why he's being a little underrated right now. I, I, I think it's – I'm not going to get too much into it because we got other stuff, but his connection with Tua – and I know they added all these guys, but you know, it's if Tua hits his upside, Gazicki's going to be a steal. And compared to Rob Tanyan and Dallas Goddard, he's being drafted like three or four rounds later. So, well, if you ask me, if you ask me, like, compa- if you compare all those three guys, I'd much rather go Gazicki, right, than those guys, yeah. right? Like, for sure. Uh, the, the thing that kind of intrigues me about Ir- about uh, Irv Smith, um, you know, over Gazicki is the fact that he doesn't have as much, um, like, he doesn't have as many guys fighting for volume, right, uh, on that Vikings offense. Um, and the fact that, you know, you hear Mike Zimmer talk about, you know, throwing the ball more downfield, that's a good thing. That's a good thing, you know. But but who knows how, how they're going to use him during the regular season. But it was a little bit encouraging um, yeah. to see Irv Smith do that. Uh, but, you know, I was in on Gasicki last, last year in a big way. Um, because of the what I what I you know, and he did be, he was using the slot a ton last year. Uh, but it just you know, it obviously it, it came into fruition later in the year with Jalen with um, uh, with Tua you know coming into his own a little bit and targeting him him a ton. Um, yeah. But you know, it, it, listen, we've seen it a whole bunch of times where on a, on good offenses, tight ends do produce. Uh, if there's a good tight end there and there's a connection, it could totally happen. Listen, Tua has made a step forward, and that's clear. I think what we've seen the preseason, what we've heard from training camp, uh, he has made a he has took he's taken a step forward. I think officially. So um, you know to target guys on this Dolphins offense, I think is a, is a good thing to do. And you can get all of these guys like past the tenth round, <laughs> which is which is which is awesome. Okay, uh, moving on to the Broncos and Seahawks. Javante Williams, um, Melvin Gordon hasn't played right. Uh, but Jav- he hasn't. Javante Williams hasn't gotten like the full load with the Broncos in either of the two preseason games. In the second preseason game, he split first team snaps with Royce Freeman, uh, fifteen to eleven. And in week yeah. one, he split them ten to seven. So with Melvin Gordon healthy, there's obviously a split there, right? But if Gordon were to go down, like I'm not sure you can expect Javante to take like a huge leap in snaps. He'd definitely be the one A, 
right? In, in that sort of thing. But it's very possible that he sees some sort of split uh, with a pass catcher like Royce Freeman or someone they trust more on pa- in passing situations. Yeah, and, you know, that's that's been the concern with Jonathan Taylor, not with Jonathan Taylor, with Javante Williams. And honestly, even if he did end up being the 1A, we had talked about Melvin Gordon. He's not going to disappear in third downs. That's just kind of his yeah. role in this team. He's more familiar with it. So uh, even though Javante Williams does become the running back 1A, Melvin Gordon's not going to disappear. Do we trust this offense with Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater leading the charge? We'll see. We'll see. Okay, um, the 49ers and Chargers, uh, Raheem Mostert, not playing again. I think that's a clear sign that he's the guy. Um, but, you know, don't expect his volume to be crazy. Um, he's going to depend on big plays and efficiency. And there are running backs there who, you know, might, might share a little bit of that load. Um, but it looks, like he, it, lo- it looks like he's the clear A, 1A right now. And, and that, that tells you a lot. Um, that's not really all I had about the 49ers. Um, Debo Samuel, I'm sorry, Debo, uh, no, Brandon Ayuk. Um, is having a little bit of a trouble with the dropsies uh, in training Uh-oh. camp and, and uh, in preseason as well. Um, and he was actually rotating with Trent Sherfield uh, in this game. Um, Trent Sherfield has absolutely been killing it in camp. Um, don't know what happened with him and how he had this resurgence in his career, um, but it, it, it is what it is. And we saw Trey Lance, you know, connect with Sherfield a ton in camp and in, in you know, it, it came to fruition in the preseason games as well. Um, now, before the game, John Lynch did say that he was going to mix in some starters and some backup players. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. Uh, but, you know, it's very possible, even though Brandon Ayuk is that dude that, you know, I was talking with, um, you know, somebody who's very close with the 49ers. And, you know, he said that, you know, um, Brandon Ayuk isn't like necessarily that clear one, like number one guy right now. Right. And it's very possible um, that, you know, we, we, we see other wide receivers come into play. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like stall for time while I think of who their other wide receiver is, because I can't remember. Evo, you, think getting, you think I'm getting old, dude? Like you think I'm getting Muhammad old? Sanu? You think like, Jalen Hurd? Like, who, no, who's the number one, who's the number two wide receiver besides Ayuk? Devo Samuel. Debo Samuel. Okay, like you, you think I'm getting old, dude? Like I feel like I ask you like about stuff a lot. Like I think I'm we like, had a lot of long weekends. I, I think that's what's going. I think that's on, what right? it is. I think I need to sleep more. I think that's what it is. I, I, I don't think four or five hours of sleep is doing it. Um, yeah. Anyway, Debo Samuel, you know, is is and listen. If you guys can like you know send me some recommendations on how to improve my memory, it'll be amazing. Um, Debo Samuel. Like, you know, he has actually been impressive in camp and, you know, they've been targeting him all over the field as well, not just near the line of scrimmage in camp. So, you know, keep that in mind too, that, you know, obviously, you know, there's a three to four round difference between these two guys. And, you know, if you asked me a couple of weeks ago, I would have said Brandon Ayuk for sure. But after talking to my 49ers guy, it seems like that might not be the case, you know, so I'm not sure. You know, and I was kind of, you know, I was avoiding him too. So I'm okay maybe, you know, taking the discount a few rounds later. That's just, you know, a little bit of inside info. Debo has been rising up my boards a little bit as well. It's just, I I just want to see him used as an actual wide receiver because it seems like every time he touches the ball, it's a screen, it's a, you know, a jet sweep. It's a, but apparently he has been lighting up the corners in camp as a wide receiver, you know, so. 
this is uh that's something to receiver. keep an eye. Yeah, no, hundred percent, dude. And maybe what he was doing late last season was a product of you know him being injured all year and you sure. know that that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that's something to keep an eye on there. Jaguars and Saints from last night. Uh, Marquez Callaway has to be drafted. And if you want him, you have to draft him in the eighth or ninth round at the latest in most leagues, in leagues where people are paying attention because he went from going undrafted. I was drafting him all offseason, by the way, um, to being drafted in the 10th round now. Uh, That's his ADP. But don't go by the ADP because he's going to be taken before that. Yeah, Um, as he should. Jameis Winston was dropping dimes in this dude's breadbasket last night, dude. Like the, the rapport was clear. Taysom Hill's rapport with Marquez Calloway has been clear, which means that Marquez Calloway is a certified baller. That's yep. what that means. And, and simple. you got to go out of your way to get this guy. Like it, it, it is what it is. If you're talking about who's this year's James Robinson, it might be Marquez Calloway. And I think what the most common misconception is, is okay. He's, an asset that's only going to go down in value because once Michael Thomas gets back, he kind of goes back to being a no one. That's not going to be the case because they've been looking for this wide receiver next to Michael Thomas for a very long time. And uh, Emmanuel Sanders, I thought could have been that guy. He did okay, but he doesn't have that exact deep threat capabilities. Um, Jameis Winston is going to be able to keep so to to have multiple wide receivers fantasy relevant. Yeah. I mean, he's done that in the past. <laughs> and, and you know what? I think what's cool here is like how many targets did it take for Marquez Callaway to have a 27 point game? Five. And then yeah. the week before, how many targets did it take for I mean Marquez Callaway had a 61, 61 yards, three catches. Like this guy, yeah, his deep passing, they're they're connected. A little Jordan Humphrey as well. Five targets, four catches, 74 yards, and a touchdown. He's been catching touchdowns all preseason. Little Jordan Humphrey. I love that so, name, by the way. Traquan Smith, uh, you can drop him. You you can you can yeah. drop Traquan Smith. Don't think about it too much. Just you can drop him. I might not go that far. Well, oh? are you talking about in Dynasty? <laughs> no, in like redraft. Oh. Oh, and we draft. Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, you don't have to draft him, but you know, pay attention to him on waivers though, because if he's the outside guy, you know, with Jameis Winston, there can potentially be some value there, you know. Um, but yeah, so Jameis Winston, like, you know, he looks great, and whoever the starter is here is going to be very fantasy relevant. Whether it's Hanson Hill, whether it's Jameis Winston, just pay attention to who that guy is, because whoever it is in this offense, very creative, Sean Payton is going to be relevant for sure, top ten guy. Um, by the way, Tony Jones is the running back that you want behind Alvin Kamara, not Latavius Murray, believe it or not. Yeah. Sean Payton even said so himself in the pregame. He said that Tony Jones is my, my, is my RB2 right now. So that tells you what you need to do. Out of nowhere. So you know, what sucks, what, what might suck here is that if Alvin Kamara, you know, gets hurt, you know, hopefully he doesn't get hurt. But if he does, you know, Latavius Murray isn't going to have that like crazy role that he had, he once had. Um, and there might not be like this three down handcuff that you could kind of just plug in and, you know, have an instant RB1. But, you know, t- Tony Jones, it's possible that, you know, he has a, a more diverse role than Latavius Murray had. So that's, that's something to pay attention to. So I wouldn't be drafting Latavius Murray pretty much. Yeah. Um, moving on to the Jaguar side, there's a clear rapport 
between Trevor Lawrence and Marvin Jones. And you, you alluded to this earlier um, through two preseason games. Uh, he is the guy who has a higher depth of target between him and LaVisca Chenault. Um, LaVisca has been targeted at a higher percentage of his routes, um, but he's running shallower routes than Marvin Jones. Um, it looks like he's going to be pretty involved as well. Now, when DJ Chark is back, like it could further distribute that target share and, and it will, but you know, I'm not as convinced right now like that Marvin is like the guy, but like when in doubt, like take the cheapest guy here, right? And that's Marvin right now. Um, at least we've seen the rapport. We know that Marvin is legit, but he gets it done every year. He beats his ADP every year and he had a higher than 30% target share from Trevor Lawrence in his attempts over the past two games. Um, so I'm taking my shots at Marvin Jones as well. He, he's part of that late round wide receiver carousel that I've, I've been going through. Yeah, I, I yeah. at first I was kind of like, you know, what kind of role is he really going to have? He's familiar with the offense. He's in his 30s now, but he still looks great. You know, he's just one of those players really that does. still look great. So uh, I'm fine. He really, taking he really does. He, he, you know, he he's like the Pharrell Williams of the NFL, pretty much. <laughs> um, Adam Troutman, we talked about him. He avoided a serious injury, um, and he, he, he might come back at some point. We don't have an update yet. We might get that, you know, in a bit. But, you know, before this, before this injury, um, Adam Troutman, like, he did not um, have a huge role. Like, we – a lot of us, including myself, thought that he was going to have a, have a serious role on, on offense. Um, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Um, unfortunately, you know – out of all of his snaps on the field, he's only had like a handful of routes, um, which sucks. Like I think six, I I think he ran like 20 plus, he was on the field for 20 plus snaps this preseason and he only ran like six routes, which is like eight routes or something like that. And it sucks. He reminds me of? Who? He reminds me of uh, Nick Boyle, uh, Durham Smythe, like the technical starting tight end, but not the guy who's going to catch passes out of this backfield, out of this uh, tight end group. And uh, yeah. the guy who might be that guy is Juwan Johnson, the undrafted free agent wide receiver from last year, turned tight end. Uh, he he looks pretty decent running routes out there, and he had three targets, and that's right. three more than you can say about Adam Troutman in these last two games. <laughs> so uh, definitely, I I don't think Juwan Johnson is worth looking into at all in terms of drafting. If you're in dynasty. Maybe take a stab at him if you got a you know extra spot and you're looking for a tight end. But overall, I mean, Juwan Johnson seems to be the tight end who's going to see targets in this offense. So it's just not not a situation I'm into. And this kind of gives us, I mean, how much better do you feel about Alvin Kamara? Because <laughs> I feel like not that this was like a huge hinder to Alvin Kamara at all, but just from the point of like Marquez Callaway kind of establishing himself as a threat down the field. Uh, little Jordan Humphrey, Trey Smith potentially doing the same. Jameis Winston establishing himself as a decent enough quarterback to get the job done. Does this make you feel better about drafting Alvin Kamara as a top three pick? Yeah, it does. Um, especially if Jameis is the quarterback because yeah. he's not a Russian quarterback, <laughs> right? And I think that there'll be uh, several more checkdowns to Alvin Kamara if he's the quarterback. And I-, I will be back on drafting Kamara with a top three pick. I would draft him over Zeke if – I know that James Winston is a quarterback. Yeah. Alvin Kamara has been a top three pick. I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people are like Zeke at four. What the hell is wrong with you? But uh, I've been, that's, <laughs> that's what I've been this, this whole time. But yeah, okay. So I think that's it, guys. I, we went through all the games. We, we didn't hit the Raiders and Rams because 
or the Titans of Bucks because I don't think there was that much significance there. They didn't really play their starters, so like it wasn't yeah. you know anything to talk about. Um, Nathan Peterman yeah. seeing all the snaps again. <laughs> my guy, my guy. Um, okay, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope we were able to bring you some value this year, uh, you know, this week and yeah, this year too. Um, but g- good luck in your drafts if you drafted already. Uh, good luck in your season. Um, and I'm hoping that this can bring you some value, you know, over the next week or so. We're gonna do the same thing next week after week three of preseason. Uh, then we have a, a you know, a, we don't have a bye week, but the NFL will have a bye week before um, the start of the regular season. So, um, but we'll be here and we'll be trying to put out a couple of podcasts a week, and, uh, you know, until then. And then f- from there on out, we're going to be putting out podcasts for our season long content. So oh, stay tuned yeah. for all of that. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I am Faraz at upper hand fantasy. Joe is at fantasy.football.analyst both on Instagram. Go check us out there. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Take it easy. See ya. Peace.